0: Greetings and salutations from Times Square, crossroads of the world. This is the Muni Lowdown, produced by DebtWire Municipals, where we talk about this week's most interesting stories in the municipal bond market. And I am your host, Young Lim, desk editor at DebtWire Municipals. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Muni Lowdown, the podcast produced by DebtWire Municipals. Today is October 20th, and we've got two good, pieces today. One is an article by Caitlin Devitt on the return of the Motor City of Detroit, Michigan, coming back to the market with the $80 million GEO bond sale. And it's their second foray into the market after coming out of bankruptcy in 2014. Our second item today is a brand new report from DebtWire Municipals, headed by Greg Clark, Head of Research. It's called the Mass Transit Capital Funding Tracker, which highlights infrastructure financing plans of the 10 largest U.S. mass transit systems. And I'd like to note that the report provides links to related content from both DebtWire Municipals and our affiliate publication Information Group, which specializes in private infrastructure finance. All right, good morning, everybody. Today is Tuesday, October 20th, 2020. And let's welcome back Caitlin Devitt from in Chicago, Illinois. Caitlin, how are you?
1: I'm pretty good. Good morning.
0: All right. So I know you're in the Midwest, and we're going to talk about a city at the time when it filed for bankruptcy. It was the largest bankruptcy at that time. And I'm going to quote Martha and the Vandellas. Let's not forget about the Motor City of Detroit. And you wrote about it last week uh, for the, about them coming to market. And it was only the second time since the bankruptcy I just mentioned, it came back uh, to mark on its own name. How did the city do and how did the city tell its story to investors?
1: Well, and I'm wearing my um, Detroit versus everybody sweatshirt this morning in honor <laughs> of the city. Well, like you say, it was the only second time they've come on their own kind of geo credit since they came out of bankruptcy in 2014. And, of course, they're coming, you know, during this pandemic time or, you know, uh, so that's added sort of an extra stress. They talked a lot about, with investors, they talked a lot about um, how they were able to manage through the pandemic very quickly. That was when um, I interviewed the CFO ahead of the deal. That was something that he really talked about a lot. If you remember Michigan and Detroit was hit hard early, like, you know, around the time New York City was, not as badly as New York City, but they definitely saw they were definitely uh, saw a lot of carnage in the beginning with COVID. And the CFO said that you know he thinks Detroit reacted as quickly as any municipality in the country to deal with it. The pandemic uh, they they estimate blew a four hundred million dollar uh, deficit in the fiscal twenty and twenty one years. So the administration offset that with a series of cuts and. They stopped spending on blight, which was, you know, which is one of their big priorities. So they suspended spending. They used their reserves. They made some cuts. They did a bunch of stuff. And so they promoted their fiscal 20 results and their 21 projections despite the pandemic. That was a big thing that they were talking to investors about. Also, how they're able to manage their long term liabilities. They have reserves. They also have this retirement pension. Um, account that they're putting money into our listeners may or may not remember that when they came out of the bankruptcy, one of the exit, the exit plan, one of its main features was that they didn't have to make the pension payments until until 2024. So they've been putting money into that reserve account and investment terms have been kind of weaker. So they've actually increased the amount of money that they've been putting in that. So all these sort of conservative um financial decisions that they've been making, many of which they have to make because they've been under financial oversight since the bankruptcy, is something that they promoted. They also talked a lot about their economic development projects. There's a bunch planned for the city. The roadshow included several pages at the end. I think it was sort of an appendix, several pages of economic development projects planned, including there's a proposed $400 million Amazon distribution warehouse that is expected to come and bring a lot of jobs to the city. And um, they also talked about casinos. They, that's a major revenue source for the city. It's the third largest revenue source. The casinos were closed, of course, for a long time amid the pandemic. They're now reopened. Gaming revenue's down a lot, as we would expect. But they, they say that they're gonna start to see some recovery. So that was sort of all that I think that they talked about when they were fielding investor calls and when they were doing the roadshow.
0: Right, so then let's move forward to the actual pricing numbers and spread things like that. How how did the deal do overall?
1: I think the deal, you know, they're obviously, you know, they're still pretty junk rated. They're down there about three notches below junk. So they did about as expected. They paid a penalty, um, but they got it done, and it was about as expected. So they say the true interest cost was 4.64%. The 10-year was 375 and that's a spread of about 280 basis points over the benchmark. So that is, you know, I think traders and portfolio managers said it, you know, it was a penalty, but it's about as they expected. The last time they had come on their own name was in 2018. And at that point, the 10-year was at 4.45 as opposed to 3.75 last week. But, of course, you know, rates were way higher back then than they are now. Now they're at record lows. So the CFO said that they got orders from about 30 Institutional buyers and the team was they did reprice it um, early afternoon of the deal, and so they were able to reprice it tighter. The spread came down by about 16 basis points on the long end. There was a couple long term bonds in 2045 and 2050, so it came down about 16 basis points and then about five basis points on the 10 year. So, so they did about you know, as expected, they paid a penalty 280 basis points, but. Um, but they got it done.
0: Right. Right. And we um, we we're, were talking about that. This is the second time. Now, after last week, I hear something about they're coming to, they might have another borrowing on tap in the future.
1: Right. So they, the voters are going to vote on a, um, $250 million authorization for flight removal in November. And <laughs> Because we have an election coming up in November, in case you forgot, um, so that'll be on their ballot. And like I said, light removal has been a priority for this administration, and they have about sixteen thousand structures that they want to either rehab or demolish. And so, if voters approve that, they they would bring one seventy five million as soon as this winter. So either you know later this year or early twenty twenty one, and that would be the same credit, you know, their their ULTGO credit. They would bring that, and then I think they would have another 50 million that they would do in 2022. They actually have several planned borrowings for sort of small, under 100 million dollars, for the next several years. After that, but the first one, if voters approve, is there they would do this 175 million pretty quickly.
0: Okay, interesting. So I know the story that you wrote talks about high yield and. Unrated deals. So let's 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 sort of transition over to a different story that you wrote with Kathy O'Donnell, uh, also from, from DebtWire, obviously about Brightline West. And tell us a little bit more about that deal and where what's the status of it right now?
1: Well, we were writing about that last week because um, the the deal was expected to come last week. It's the largest unrated or junk municipal deal to date. It's about 3.2 billion. And it's for a high speed electric train that would be built from Southern California, from a town in Southern California to Vegas. And, you know, we've been watching this for a long time. A lot of people said, oh, it's gonna be sort of a test of appetite in the high yield market. Um, Morgan Stanley's the the, the main underwriter. They've been shopping it for weeks. And they there was a wire out that was saying that they were going to price it last Wednesday, but it didn't happen. Now it's on the day to day. It's the latest. Mm-hmm. The yields that they were offering for a long time were in the plus seven percent range, seven and quarter, seven and a half. Right. But you know, they offered new terms last week, which seemed to indicate that they needed to sweeten the pot for a lot of investors. They threw in a lot more equity like a total 500 million altogether that brings up their contribution to about a third of the capital structure. And they offered some other sweeteners. The total project is about 8.4 billion. So it's a big project Mm -hmm. and it's now on day to day, as I said, so we'll have to see if that's enough what the terms that they got done last week. They have until about December 1st, they have kind of this deadline on December 1st. So we're keeping an eye on it to see how it goes this week.
0: Right. And, this is Brightline West, which is related to the Brightline of Florida based upon, I think, Brightline Holdings that holds both.
1: That's right. And, and Fortress is the, is the owner. And they're, they're, so they're the ones behind it that are bringing
0: it. Right. All right. Well, very interesting and a very high profile deal. And definitely you and Kathy will definitely keep tabs on that. But Caitlin, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, wear that sweats, sweatshirt proudly. Where you are?
1: <laughs> yeah. I want a Brightland sweatshirt now, actually. <laughs> all the big high-yield deals. I want T-shirts and
0: sweatshirts. Well, what was that T-shirt or sweatshirt that the governor of Michigan had? Um, that woman or some kind of generic t- pronoun? Oh,
1: maybe? yeah. What song called her? Yeah. That woman from Michigan.
0: That's it. Okay. Right. I want something like that. We'll we could, <laughs> we'll have something like that. So, All right. Caitlin, thank you so much for your time. Stay safe out there. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Okay. Bye. Okay. Let's move on to Greg Clark, head of municipal research at DebtWire Municipals. Greg, how are you?
2: I'm good. Young, how are you today?
0: Good. Thanks. Staying safe up there?
2: Yeah, things are pretty quiet up here. Never too exciting. Not yet anyway.
0: (laughs) Well, I was going to say staying safe is one thing, but staying sane is probably another relevant question these days. Oh,
2: that's, that's that's never been uh, much of an option for me <laughs> but i won't but I won't say in which way whether it's sane or insane
0: okay <laughs> so let's talk about um the newest uh research piece that you guys have it's i won't get too much into it. That, that's your job but tell us more about the mass transit capital funding tracker say that five times fast
2: yeah i i don't even want to try i don't i think <laughs> I think i have to be bleeped um the the funding tracker transit capital funding tracker and for obvious reasons from
0: here on i'll
2: just call it the tracker or the report highlights capital financing plans of the 10 largest mass transit systems in the u.s
0: and tell us what's the purpose of the report
2: well we wanted to provide our subscribers with some information for these systems in light of the pandemic which of course Caused decreased ridership and to show how capital plans of these systems have changed, if at all, since the onset of the coronavirus earlier this year.
0: All right, for now, I'm going to give you a laundry list. You're talking about the 10 largest systems in terms of, let's say, what area served, the outstanding debt, ridership, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera?
2: We based it on ridership. Uh, using data available from the American Public Transportation Association, which is basically the industry group for mass transit. Uh, Our report includes information from the long-term capital plans of these 10 systems. Some of those capital plans were released before the coronavirus hit us. But where possible, we updated the capital plans with later information provided by the borrowers.
0: Greg, let me ask you, what did you find regarding passenger trends?
2: As I I think I mentioned, everyone was down, some more than others. San Francisco's Bay Area Rapid Transit System, better known as BART, had the biggest decline. They were down 92% in the second quarter of 2020 compared to the second quarter of 2019. I should note that BART's ridership figures may have improved since then, but some systems, and BART is one of them, provide ridership information on only a quarterly basis. Um, New York's MTA is one, Metropolitan Transportation Authority, is one system that's greatly improved its reporting since the pandemic began, probably in response to investor concerns. Uh, As of September 30th, New York City subway and bus ridership was down by 68% and 50% respectively from 2019 averages. Uh, passenger counts on the MTA's two commuter trains were down by roughly 75% as of the same date, and traffic on the MTA's bridges and tunnels were down, was down by only uh,
0: 12%. What other types of information did you uh, provide?
2: Well, in the report, we provided details on federal funds received under provisions of the CARES Act, which is the Coronavirus Relief Act passed by Congress earlier this year. Uh, Additional funds have been requested by transit operators, but as our listeners are aware, that situation as of today anyway is still in flux.
0: Right, definitely. Okay, so what about, tell us about capital plans.
2: Some borrowers were more specific than others about what will change. Uh, Just as an aside, everybody who follows the community market to any degree knows that disclosure practices vary widely. Uh, Some borrowers, uh, not just in this sector, but in other sectors, provide a lot of information. Some um, don't even provide annual financial statements. But anyway, uh, the New York MTA, for instance, put its capital plan on pause. On the other hand, the Los Angeles County MTA said in August that COVID-related problems would have no impact on its ability to continue its construction of major projects. And some of the borrowers said they were still studying the issue, and they'd be be providing more information uh, in the current fourth quarter
0: of the year. So I saw in the report that you included information from one of our affiliate publications.
2: Yes, for additional context, we included links to reporting not only from DebtWire Municipals, but also from Information Group, which specializes in private infrastructure finance.
0: Was there any particular reason to add that uh, information?
2: Yeah, we felt that information in the report would be of interest to information subscribers. as some of the transit systems might be considering public-private partnerships for their capital projects.
0: I see. Greg, last question. Is there anything else to add to all this?
2: Yeah, as readers of the tracker might find interesting our previous study of U.S. mass transit that was published this past March. That report includes, among other items, sources of payment for bonds issued by mass transit systems and their related entities. In some cases, the uh, transit systems use capital monies provided by the state, which in turn is uh, supplied by state bond issues. So we we included bond issues such as those in addition to those directly payable by uh, a given
0: transit system. Very good. Greg, you've had a busy time. You've this is a new report that you guys are publishing you've had a you have a daily i would say infographic called ion data which looks great so busy time for you guys
2: yeah thanks john it's uh, it's been interesting
0: all right as always greg thanks for your time stay safe out there and we'll talk to you again Next okay thanks john bye bye and that wraps up our show for today many thanks to Kaylin devitt greg clark and our producer Ayala. And as always, to you, our listeners out there, who hopefully tune in week after week for the latest on Distressed me Debt, please check out our social media links on LinkedIn and Twitter. And we look forward to you for you coming back again next week for the latest at DebtWire Municipals. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mini Lowdown with me, your host, Young Lim. If you want to know more, subscribe to DebtWire.com and follow us on social media. Please leave comments, rate, like, and share. Join us next week when we talk about the latest in the municipal bond market.